Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am your host. And today's quote is by John Wooden. Don't let making a living prevent you from making a life. Now, I have an amazing guest with me today. It is Wayne Robinson. He joined FM Global five years ago as Assistant Vice President of Programs and Exhibits. He leads a team of 13 planners and multimedia professionals, along with third parties and production companies, and is responsible for over 130 company meetings and events annually. His primary focus is developing strategy and ensuring execution of face-to-face -face and virtual meetings. Prior to joining FM Global, Wayne served as director of field meetings at Northwestern Mutual after spending 14 years at Guardian Life Insurance Company in New York City. Now, he has a tremendous amount of industry volunteerism and leadership, and in his spare time when he has it, Wayne loves to write, help local charities, and find time to visit warm climates with beaches. Ah, we have so much in common. Welcome, Wayne. How are you today? I am doing fine, Heather. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really oh. appreciate it. I'm so excited. This is an opportunity for me. Every conversation we've ever had, I've walked away a little bit better, and I have a sneaking suspicion our listeners will as well. So you have had an amazing career. So I could ask you about all of the positive stuff, but I'm not going to. I'm going to start by asking you, what lessons have you learned from mistakes that you've made during your career journey? Oh my goodness, Heather! You know something that'll, that'll probably take us probably about an hour and a half to get halfway <laughs> through. But I'm I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. Um, the lessons I've learned basically um, I can sum it up pretty quickly, and that is if you don't know, um, if you don't feel comfortable in answering or coming up with ideas or thoughts or what have you, the best thing to do is to say, you know something, I don't know, let me get back to you, let me do research, let me really do a little bit of introspection, and then I will answer your question. The mistakes I've made have always been, I'm gonna say I feel like I'm, it's necessary for me to have an answer right now, it's necessary for me to make a decision right now, it's necessary for me to, to, to show that I am capable of doing something right at that moment. And that has been something that I've stubbed my toe a few times on, but that is the biggest mistake I can honestly say anyone can make. Okay, so we've been here for what, like two minutes and, and we could literally go home because that advice is so important. I wish you had told me that about 30 years ago, Wayne. <laughs> I have made that same mistake numerous times. That's a good one. Now, I know that you are a great leader and that you're very inspirational. What have you done recently to motivate others during this time of crisis? Honestly, probably just to be calm, not to um, 
kind of like uh, to kind of play off what we just talked about, just to listen and not so much to give advice or not so much to kind of comfort people or find the right words or what have you, because sometimes that doesn't always happen, but just to listen. I think right now people just, they need someone that they feel comfortable talking to and not an opinion and maybe not, you know, not advice or maybe not even just, okay, you know, an acknowledgement, just, just to listen and give people an, an, an outlet to say, I just need to get this off my chest right now. There's so many different things going on in the world. So many different challenges we're facing um, that, you know what, I think people are internalizing more now than they've ever done in the past. So quite honestly, just lending an ear and a few minutes of time during someone's busy day um, has been probably something that uh, I think most people that I've talked to has, have benefited from the most. Uh, you know, just to, I guess, let let others know that that someone is there, that they're not alone, you know, and you have such a great way about you where your listening is with full presence. And I think that has a lot to do with it too, to be present with the other person. And that is a gift. Now, I don't know about you. I sometimes uh, <laughs> have my middle of the night wake up session, right? Is there, is there anything that keeps you up at night? And what do you think about, you know, that helps you go back to sleep? You know what, I would say at least two or three times a week. Usually, usually it's something, quite honestly, that I have no answer for. Uh, when I was younger, it used to be money. Not to say that it does, doesn't uh, come into the equation uh, now from time to time. Um, it used to be family. Um, and then as I've gotten older and have a lot more responsibility in my career or it, it's like other people uh, making the right decisions if it's going to affect someone um, with, on my team or at work or even in my personal life, uh, making the right decisions. And sometimes I don't have the answer for them. And I think that's what's waking me up at night. So what, what is the answer? And then I learned a, a valuable lesson about 10 years ago, Heather, and I'm like, why am I waking up at 3.30 in the morning? And quite honestly, that's sometimes uh, I had the most clarity. So I, I don't know if it's, it's, if it's a little trick or not, but I wake up and I'll keep a little pad by my desk, by my, by my nightstand, I'm sorry. And I'll write down stuff. And I'm like, it might be something that's um, upcoming. It might be an idea, a thought or what have you. And I'll look back at it and I said, man, where'd you get that clarity from? And it was 3.30 in the morning. So some of the things that keep me up, that's one, one hand, but also too, some, some, some I have, sometimes I have the most clarity at 3.30 in the morning um, as well. So I might be able to address a problem um, and uh, think about a problem and address it at the same time. So that's fascinating that, uh, that I, I've, I've developed over the years. <laughs> yes. You know what? Okay. So I have periodically used that and found it super helpful. And 
thank you because I need to do that again because I'm back to those wake up sessions. My, I, I need some advice on how to read my handwriting the next morning because I'm sure there's some brilliance in there, but I can't read my writing. I think it's that's my issue though, Wayne. I'll work on that. I don't think that's something you can help me with. (laughs) Do you have a a mentor? I did. Unfortunately, he passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Many, many years ago when I started in this industry doing events, uh, live events. I worked for AT&T right out of, right out of college. Mm-hmm. It was a gentleman, older gentleman named Ken Foster. And I didn't know anything. And um, I thought I knew everything. I, I knew nothing. <laughs> we'd have hard conversations. And he'd call me into his office at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, he said, Let, let's just talk a little bit. He'd rear back in a chair. And I'm like, I really want to go home. I don't want to be here with you. Yeah. Um, and I felt he was hard on me. And uh, I said, why, you know, he's telling me different things about, hey, you know something, this is how you can handle things a little differently. And I'm like, are you listening to conversations or emails at that time that I'm sending? He's looking at those. He's sending me responses. And really, I couldn't stand this guy because it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you always, you know, why are you always uh, critiquing um, my communication or how I'm handling situations? And, uh, and again, I knew nothing. I, I, I thought I knew everything. And finally, he told me, uh, he said, you know something? He said, I've, I've, I've watched you grow. And what I did is I, I, I wanted to kind of guide you and show you without telling you. Um, so what I was doing is when I was giving you feedback, the only way I felt at that time was to tell you things might be in a more of a direct manner. Um, so that you would understand exactly at that moment in time, exactly immediate feedback that that would be something that you would carry on further as you progress in your career. It had nothing to do with you personally. It had nothing to do with your work ethic. It had nothing to do with um, your intent, but it had everything to do with the fact that you didn't have a lot of experience. Watched you grow. And now I can tell you that what you did and what, what, what we went through to get to that point was helpful to you. But I couldn't tell you at that point because you would have looked at it as a negative mm-hmm. and, instead of, and, and, and something that you didn't act upon right away. So my only way of getting that, that information to you was to do it in an immediate fashion that could be perceived as negative. But later on, you would understand exactly what I was trying to do because I cared about you. Ah, that's that's great. What a gift. I mean, I think that, you know, I guess it was probably five or six years ago, my oldest son said to me something about a teacher and it was positive. And I said, wait a minute, I thought you didn't like that teacher. And he said, I didn't at the time. But now I realize that she was the best teacher I ever had. So later on, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? The thing about it is, Heather, if he had said, hey, Wayne, you're doing okay, you might want to try this uh, different approach. You may want to insert that in your email, or you might want to pick the phone up and correspond with this person as opposed to putting, you know, I would look at that as a suggestion. 
And I would have said, you know what? I choose not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do it the way I think. And I knew nothing, but I'm going to try it my way. Mm -hmm. By him being as definitive as he was, he taught me a valuable lesson because then I looked at it as, my God, he's quasi my boss. I've got to do it the way he's telling me to do it. And I didn't want to hear that, but I really had no choice but to learn and grow from the feedback he was giving me. Does how he did it impact how you mentor people now? Or do you, or do you kind of look at them as individuals in, in what they need? The, the latter, individuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, there's no one, one size fits all in, in, in mentoring or, or motivating people. Everybody's different. Yeah. He chose that tact. And I, I'll give you another point. I mean, there was another gentleman I worked with. We still stay in contact to this day. He had a completely different approach to him. And we'd sit in a room together. And I'm like, wait a minute, are you favoring him? Because it seems like you're coming down on me. And he wasn't coming down on me, but he, he connected with him in a different way. Mm-hmm. That worked for them. He connected me in a completely different manner. And that worked for me. So that's something I've learned. And that's something that I try to practice. You can't, there's no one size fits all in how we communicate with people, how we provide feedback or how we help people. And, mm-hmm. and to your earlier point, Heather, sometimes you just have to listen. Sometimes I just say, okay, now's not the time for me to say anything. Now's the time for me to listen. Yeah. All yeah. these little valuable tidbits, you kind of put them in your toolbox and carry them around with you. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am sure that our listeners already are going to be like, I got to go back and listen to this one again, right? Because we're, 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 we're like, you're giving some great nuggets. Now we're talking about, you know, understanding other people. And it leads me to think about the importance of diversity and inclusion and how they're at the top of many companies' corporate objectives, but a lot of companies really struggle in this area. What's your opinion about maybe what people can do more, what companies can do more to promote a more diverse and inclusive work environment? Well, I think we really have to kind of um, break down and unpack what diversity and inclusion means, first of all, because it's, it's painted in such a broad stroke that I don't think people fully understand um, what diversity and inclusion means. Um, people look at it in several different ways. They might say, well, you know what? I'm favoring a candidate based upon their their race or their sex or their religion as opposed to the most qualified person. It has nothing to do with that. I don't think there's a clear cut understanding of exactly what that means. So what we first have to do is by unpacking diversity inclusion, we have to say, look, let's get a clean slate. First of all, we know that um, diversity and inclusion of everyone is the ethical and the right thing to do. There's no question about it. There's nobody that's going to, well, there may be some people that might question that, that, that's fine. But for the majority of people, we understand that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So we have to put that aside. That's one part. The second part is, you know, something in specific to corporate America, we have to look at it like we need the most qualified people we can possibly get in these positions whether it be of leadership, of specific skill sets or what have you, or backgrounds. And the only way to do that is to really expand the pool of of qualified people or the people that will be the most beneficial to our organization. 
And if we exclude anybody, or if we don't go out and really throw a broad net to grab people from all different backgrounds, experiences, whatever, we're losing out. We're not going to be able to compete. So if you take the ethical and the moral aspect of it and say, you know what, I'm ethical, I'm moral, what, what, you know, I don't want to be looked at as a punk. That's not what I'm doing. Fine, I understand that. But if you want to look at it from a business perspective, we can't survive, whether we want to look at it from an a experiential point of view, look at it from our country, uh, corporate America, whatever it is. We can't survive unless we get the qualified people from different backgrounds to give different perspectives and to really kind of engage and grow our organizations, our country, or what have you. We can't put parameters um, around that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so therefore, I think we really have to unpack exactly what that means. You know, that's a fact, really the moral, we accept the ethical aspects of it, that's fine. But unless we actually put it into action and say, let's broaden our expanse and let's do what's necessary to gather people from different backgrounds, perspectives, and put them in the room and bring them into our organizations, we're not going to grow. Because guess what? The world is, is very diverse. Yeah. So we have to really, really expand our way of thinking. And we can't have any more excuses because the ship has sailed. It's time for us to really put rubber to the road and say, this is the things we need to do right now and do whatever, take whatever necessary steps to, to, to move in that direction, if that makes sense. Oh, it's so, you know, you really hit the nail on the head, Wayne, because it has to do with three of the things stood out. I mean, the whole thing was brilliant, but three of the things really stood out to me. One is that we don't have any more excuses. We have that elevated consciousness. We know what the right thing is to do, but there is still more education that needs to take place. People need to better understand what we're talking about what's needed, how to go about doing it. And then it results in growth for everyone. And if we're not doing it, we're losing out as a company. And like you said, as a country, that's the thank you for your input on that. That's really, really important. Now, I've had a lot of my clients come back to me talking about how exhausted that they are right now with everything going on in the world, just like the prolonged uncertainty, you know, and, and well-being of our, of our people, you know, within an organization or within a family or community, whatever it may be, it has become increasingly important. What are some coping mechanisms that you use or that you would recommend for people? That's a very good question, Heather. I think quite honestly, I think people have to, um, you, you know what, in normal times, let's just, I use, I hate that word, but I have to use it. <laughs> times, you know, we have, um, we have, we compartmentalize our lives. Okay, we go to work, we come home, we go on vacations, we spend weekends together with family and friends. We find ways to pretty much have a very vibrant and, 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 and diverse social life, for lack of a better word, a work life and a social life. All that is really kind of been leveled right now. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We know 
we're sitting at home, we're working from home, or those of us who are going out um, every day, you know, we come home to a completely different atmosphere. Our, our kids, our families, our, our friends, everybody is, is almost a sense of the isolation. So I, I think what we have to do is really kind of change our thinking. So I, I'll give you an example of that. I'm sitting in this room all day. Um, but, you know, instead of going to the gym or whatever, I'll get out and take a walk or I'll try to do something that will kind of take me away from the house in a safe way. So I didn't do that in the past because I always had somewhere to go, something to do. So now I changed my mindset to say, you know what? I'm going to pick the phone up more. I'll call people. I'll call relatives, family members. I'll call old friends um, more so than texting or social media. Um, because therefore I'm listening to a voice and an immediate response. I'm, I'm able to share. I'm able to share a laugh or a thought or what have you. Um, I'll get out and take a walk. If I can't take a walk, I'll take a drive. I'll go somewhere that I haven't explored in the past. We have almost like completely level everything we know and pivot. I hate that word, but pivot to doing something that's going to fill the void um, and not have the expectation of, okay, this is what I've always done. What I've always done is fine, that's great, but right now we can't do that. And as soon as we come to grips with that and say, okay, I have to find something that not, may not be a suitable replacement. It may not give me the same satisfaction, but I've got to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Because I can't sit here all day and, and stare at a screen I've got to find ways to break my day up. I've got to find ways to get some exercise. I've got to find ways to, even if I use social media or other avenues available to me, listen to a podcast, um, go for a walk or, or you know, call a friend, do something that I would not normally do at the percentage of time that I have to myself. Do that now and stop thinking that this is going to replace the feeling of complete freedom and oh you know, uh, and able to do whatever we want to do or go on vacation or fly away or do whatever we can do that we right now that we've kind of put the brakes on for the most part, mm-hmm. other ways to fill the void. But the expectation cannot be the same as it would be in normal times. That's true. I mean, having an acceptance of what is right now, the reality of our situation and coming up with positive ways to make decisions that are going to help us, that are going to serve us. I love that. That's great. And what you started out with is, is changing your environment. Like, so you said about getting up and going for a walk. And, and for me, that's a big one for me. I, I use that a lot to re-energize when I feel like I've been stuck in front of the screen too long. Do you have a a favorite place, either a, a favorite place that you walk here or when, when a place that you can't wait to get back to when we can travel more? Quite honestly, um, I do. And I didn't realize this. Um, about a month and a half ago, I want to say about a month and a half ago, I, I, I lost a family member and uh, my, my uh, pretty much the matriarch of our family passed away now who was, you know, remaining person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went home and I grew up on the Jersey Shore down by Asbury Park, Neptune area. Mm-hmm. Went home and uh, had a little bit of time. So walked the boardwalk and, and, and uh, saw some family, but of course, you know, it was socially distanced. So I didn't spend any time with anyone or was near anyone. But before I came home, I, I kind of like 
you know, rode around to places I grew up and everything like that. And I can't tell you how many places or countries or wherever I've been that my career has taken me, but it was something pretty special about going home and doing something as simple as walking on a boardwalk or yeah. uh, uh, spending, even though in the middle of a pandemic, but it, it was something pretty special about the simplicity of doing things that was familiar to me, um, going back to where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I never, you know, you, you grow up and you leave and you can't, you can't, rep- you say, say you can't go home again. And I understand that, but it was something pretty special about going home again without the expectation that I'm going to have those same feelings and my family's still alive and everybody's wonderful. and th- No, that's not the expectation. So once I pulled that out of my mind, it was okay just to go home and say, okay, I'm home. I accept what it is now. I accept the changes. I, but I still can breathe the ocean air. I still feel, feel good about, you know, where I grew up. So, you know, and, and of course that, that was a surprise to me because I the expectation that well you know what it's going to bring back memories some good some bad but it was with the simplicity of going back home and being in for familiar um familiar territory for lack of a better word felt good it felt good even for the reason that i went there yeah yeah that coming home that comfort that that uh that is, that's, that feels really good. It, you are lucky that you had a boardwalk in your coming home place. <laughs> exactly. five, five blocks away, born and raised. From- oh, so nice. So nice. I used to go, I, I grew up in New Jersey, so I used to go down there a lot. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we passed each other on the boardwalk and we didn't even know it. More, more than likely. <laughs> Okay, so I have a weird question for you. If you could sit and have dinner with anyone, past or present, famous or not, um, who would it be? And what would you talk about? Wow. Wow. Um, I did give some thought to that because um, I've been asked that before. And ah. my mind immediately went to, you know, I mean, I love sports. So I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be great to sit down and, and have a conversation my heroes but I, I think I think I'd go historically I think I'd, I'd like to sit down with uh with Dr. King or JFK mm. historical figures people that uh you know just to just to understand or try to grasp the mindset or you know what motivated historical figures people of that magnitude to be able to overcome adversity and overcome all the craziness to to get to where they were you know and unfortunately even at some of the things that 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 you know tragedy of course but i would i would love to understand the mindset of historical figures people that have you know said okay in spite of all the odds in spite of differences of opinion and we got to do the right thing those are the kind of people that really come to mind right now Mm. I mean, that 25 years ago, it'd be Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle or, you know, <laughs> Joe Namath or somebody yeah. um, to sit and talk to, or most recently, Michael Jordan. But right now, it'd be like, what was your mindset to overcome the obstacles that were placed in front of you? And how did you do that? How did you stay motivated every single day? And those you know, historical figures are the ones that come to mind now. 
you know, what's funny about you, Wayne, is that you would ask that question of whoever it was, Willie Mays, Michael Jordan, you know, like you would ask that same question because you understand the power of mindset. Absolutely. Yeah, that is fascinating. Now, because the name of the show is From Fear to Fire, I need to ask you, what is the biggest lesson in your life that you received from a fear or a challenge that you had to overcome? Wow. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to have to give you whatever pops to mind first. And that is, I was working in New York at Guardian. Um, I, stay, I was there about 14 years or so and born and raised in New Jersey and lived in Princeton and got on the train every morning and went to New York City to work and, uh, and took a job um, at Northwestern Mutual in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hmm. Had traveled all over the world, but never, ever left. I mean, I've left my home, 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 you know, town and, and everything like that and moved around, but always in New Jersey. And we had built a house and uh, settled down in the whole nine yards, which I thought was going to be the forever home at that point. And, you know, and, and as you know, things get tough at work sometimes. And I saw the writing on the wall and I said, you know what, Wayne, either I can sit here and hope for the best or I can do something and be proactive. And I pursued an opportunity that took me halfway across the country. And I was scared to death, different culture, different state, different, and never been there, never experienced um, that amount of change prior to, you know, to moving there. Mm-hmm. And um, just felt that it's time for me to do this and overcome that fear in order to, to progress within my career as, as well as to understand different perspectives and, and understand different cultures and grow in my, in my job and elevate to a certain level by stepping out into the unknown and really not knowing exactly if it's going to work out or not, because I didn't have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to to, to doubt to creep in. I had to make a decision. Well, you know, I think that, that your advice and what you did can really help a lot of people right now because I feel that so many people are feeling stuck, like things are happening to them. And what you did in becoming proactive in making the change and putting yourself out there without knowing how it was going to turn out, I think is a great lesson to leave our listeners with today. Everybody be proactive, make your decisions. You're not going to know how it's going to turn out, but if you don't try, if you don't try to make your lives better, if you don't make those movements, you'll never know. And who wants to have regret, right? And so Wayne, I I have to tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time today and I can't wait to have our next conversation, but we are coming to a close. Do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Absolutely. First of all, Heather, thank you so much for this opportunity. And the only thing I'd say is I know things are tough and I know, you know, sometimes they even get tougher before they get easier or better for us. But, you know, find, find that level of comfort, find the people, find the experiences in life that will bring you joy and never be afraid of change. It's mm-hmm. something 
as that no one, everyone, everyone, everyone will have to experience at some point in their lives at, at some level, whether it be career, personal, it doesn't matter. We can't be afraid to change because when that fear creeps in, find a way to overcome it. Look at things, look at people. We don't have to boil the ocean. Find what's comfortable for you, find the right thing to do. And regardless of what people tell you or whatever advice that you get that you may not agree with, it doesn't always matter. Find what's right for you. There's no, no script for any of us. We have to create our own environment. We have to create our own experiences. Oh, that is fantastic. I totally agree with that. Wayne, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for your time and wisdom today. And to everyone out there who is listening and loves this episode, please write us a review and share it with a friend. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Bye.